So, y'all just ready to hop into it? Everybody's, yeah, hop. Nobody seems very talkative. We'll um, we'll figure it out, I guess. joining us everyone welcome to our unofficial podcast for the fx series the americans um i'm here with mike from tribal rant and mike from west coast project so hey guys hey hey thanks for having me on sure well you're you're just a part of it now sorry you're just like you've just been absorbed i think yeah man you're past the special guest category you're in yeah i've been transcripted yeah yeah in place of like being a guest that's sleeping on the couch, we're like giving you chores and having you wash the dishes, and yeah, you know think, you're just like a family think, member I think now. You've been conscripted. Yeah. Oh, conscripted. That's right. Drafted. Well, to, <laughs> did you say drafted? Drafted. Do the Russians have like an equivalent of a draft? Uh, their draft is a little more, um, a little, a little less optional than our draft. Our draft's not optional, is it? Sure, yeah. You got Canada to go to. They can't, what, go to the Ukraine? They can't, no. Hmm. Their, their draft is serious. Do they Do they have a draft? Do you well, know? Sure they do, yeah. Do no, you think, I don't know. Do you think know. the Russian audience likes this show? Do you think it, they have a Russian audience? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, that is a good question. I don't I don't know. I mean, our 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 hero and, and, and heroine are... Russian spies, and we're we're you know we want to love them, you know that we want to we want to like them. So I, they, I don't know. I, I guess it would be depending on what your perspective of of what you know whether you saw them portraying these Soviet agents as patriots or. Or if you thought they were putting the country in a negative light or a neutral light, or a uh, that's a great that's a great question. Even even if they didn't like it, you'd think they might still be fans of it just to see what those dastardly Americans are up to. You know what we're doing with our television and stuff. It's almost like the Red Dawn, like the movie. Like what would happen if everything was different than you know the bad guys were the good guys and the reverse all happened. Well, that like begs a couple questions, though. Like, how close do you think they actually got how Russia was in the early '80s by what they're portraying here? Do you think it's really close to what they portray? I think it's close to what we've been spoon-fed. And I don't, you know, I don't want to be, you know, a conspiracy theorist or anything, but we have to, we have to ask ourselves. You know who who's the bad guys and who's the good guys? Because you know. Well, I think a lot of them in this are asking who's the bad guys and who's the good guys. I think we're actually seeing that a whole lot in this episode. Stan's asking who's the bad guys and who's the good guys. But I'm just Oleg's asking who's the bad guys and who's the good guys. Right, but just as an overview, I'm wondering if you think they're portraying early '80s Russia accurately. I think they're portraying it as is close it like a dirty fishbowl as they could to the propaganda that we've been we we were right. Fed. But there's people now, right? I mean, there's like it's a bigger, I mean, a, a much smaller world now than it was in the '80s. We didn't have the right. internet and stuff like that. No way to communicate like that. 
I would think if it were way off character that it wouldn't make the show seem authentic. Well, the creator of the show is an ex-CIA agent, so... Oh, yeah, so we know we can trust him, right? Well, I, I bet he's I bet he's pretty close. I bet he's being pretty accurate. So how different do you think Russia of today is than Russia of 1980s? Perestroika, baby. I mean, it's a whole different, whole yeah, different Russia. way different. West, I would almost picture it as Western. Yeah, Westernized for sure. I, I would picture it the same way. Well, the title of this ep- episode was Djekava, and I actually looked that up, looked up that city. And I did too. What did you find out? Well, not um, much. No, not much. I, w- I was just going to say. Okay, pop quiz. When did the Russians invade? What, I mean, sorry, the, the Nazis. When did Germany invade? 1930. Thanks for playing. 1941. Okay. <laughs> when when did the Soviet Union retake Jetkama? 1943. We all can we all can read in Wikipedia, Mike. Very good. <laughs> Very good. No, evidently some of us can't. I'm looking no, at it. No, I can't. I didn't do so well with that. No, what what I was going to say about Okay, it, smart though. guy. When did the partisans take back over? The partisans? Yeah, the Russian partisans, you know, the the local militia. When did they kind of throw the Nazis out? Probably earlier that than a- that, huh? Ah, okay. Yeah, Before the probably earlier, Probably earlier than that. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, though, seriously, I found, like, this photograph of the place, and it is just, it, the the picture was just stunning. It was nice. stunning. Oh, yeah, it was like this tree-lined road, beautiful flowers leading. Um, it, it, it's just, it's, it's stunning looking, and it's certainly nothing like what. The flowers of course grow so showing. well because of all the dead Russian soldier fertilizer. Uh, Mike. What? That's terrible. Well, I mean, she was That's shooting them and pushing them in a pit. Anyways, it is awful. It is terrible. This that is was... a happy podcast, so how dare I? No, that this was, okay, let's just. Go ahead and do a little bit of the housekeeping. Tonight we're podcasting The Americans, Season 5, Episode 11, Jeanette It was directed by... I had a hard time with that, too. Yeah, so. uh, all these <clears throat> names. All these names are bad. Uh, Steph Green and the writers were Joshua Brand and Joe Weisberg. Well, Jetkova was the, was the town, right, with the, where the lady was involved in. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right, which was an actual, you know, big city. Not big, really big, 29,000 population. Right, but big. Uh, important. Important place for World War Two. Yes. For what was going on there with the Nazis and stuff, from what I could read. So, at an air date of May 16th, and what did you guys think about the episode overall? Hmm. I thought there was a lot going on in the episode. I think they were covering a lot of material. I thought it was a uh, a pretty interesting episode. As progression uh, goes, uh, Philip continues to to be disenchanted. Now Elizabeth is just getting fed up with everything. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about that and get Henry, your take on that. Henry's going to be an FBI agent. <laughs> What's well, funny? I think we brought that up last that time, funny. didn't we? That is funny. What do you think, Mike? Well, I think it's been a very slow season, and I think they can't be slow anymore after this episode. They've got too much stuff set up to happen that it has to really start to happen. 
So you felt like this was a slow episode? It was good. Yeah, it was slow, but it was good. I liked it. I thought it was, um, I thought we had a whole bunch of things kind of coming to a head right here, even more so, I guess. I, I agree. They've got to do something with this. And yeah, I mean, you know how I feel about this season. It's definitely been slower and a whole lot more mental than physical. It was still another episode with TVMAL. The no S still fifth week in a row, no S on this show. Isn't that crazy? And three no out of five drive. weeks. No I, I, I know. <laughs> you said it, and I swear I was looking at Mike's face, and he was thinking it. Or Ben. But so it's definitely been slow. But I think this was a pivotal episode. I think a lot of the stuff that went on in this episode. I just saw it as an episode of change. In what way? In big change. Well, Elizabeth's attitude for sure. I don't know about Elizabeth. I'm waffling about Elizabeth. I'm going to tell you. She's still very mission oriented. You got to give that to her. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's making me question some of the stuff that's going on and some of the stuff that she's saying. I don't know. I'm feeling really kind of funny about it, but... I guess we'll talk about it when we get there. But we start off, Henry's doing his homework, and he has headphones on. Philip comes in, and he is asking him where his mom is. And uh, Henry takes this opportunity to ask his dad about St. Edward's, and is he going to let him go? And Philip says he will, as long as his mom will let him go. And we all know that. And then he's Yeah, that's a little, I don't know. What do you think about a parent who says, yeah, I'm okay with it. I just got to talk to your mom. He's kind of. Throwing her kind of under the bus. No, he? he knows. Remember, Elizabeth's the one who said he could go. Yeah. So he knows how Elizabeth feels about it. Why didn't he just say, "Yeah, we talked about it. You can go." I don't. I was surprised Elizabeth lets wants him to go. I guess that's her changing, right? She's like being less of a Russian and more of a more of a an American, I guess. Yeah. <sighs> But she doesn't seem to have, I don't want to say she doesn't have that attachment because that's not true, but Philip's certainly the touchy feelier of the two. I can see in this instance having a harder time letting him go, but Philip was, he seemed to have just a really hard time with a lot of stuff in this. I don't think he liked that at all. I don't think he likes Henry leaving at all. I think he's willing to let him go. And we talked about this a little bit last time. I think we all agree that if somebody gets that opportunity, you have to let them do it. But Philip. I think Philip just from a father standpoint, just doesn't want him to go. I don't think it has anything to do with the being a spy or not being a spy. No, that's no, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, As the father figure. We see him go over as Brad Eckert pulling up at the house, and he takes Twan some... Wait a minute. When he walked out of the room, did anybody notice that pause? When he walked out of the room and he was about to leave the scene, he paused just for a minute. Did you guys remember that? Did you did you pick up on that? I did. What did you think he was thinking about when he paused? What What caused him to pause there? Was it, my son's growing up and he's going to want him to leave, or... Or how is this going to work? Or what do you think was going through his mind? What what caused him to pause there at the end of the hallway? Mike, do you have any thoughts on that? I missed it. I, I, I missed that part. 
No, he actually did. And and Jillian, I was watching it with Jillian, and Jillian said that's the part where he's hearing a normal teenager scream, close my door. So that's what made me think about in place of the teenager just quietly getting up and closing their own door. That doesn't happen. You know, they they sit in their seat and go, close my door. Well, Henry's anything but normal. (laughs) Well. He's a brainiac. He's turned into a little little prodigy. Yeah, but I just felt like here that – Philip, with Henry getting up and closing the door behind him, he kind of shut him out. And I think that's how Philip's feeling. He's feeling kind of shut out from Henry and from, you know, you think you have the rest of your, of your, of your child youth years. Yeah. He spent his whole time being a Russian spy on U.S. soil and now his son's going away. And, you know, we kind of know how that feels. We had a daughter get married this weekend. And I don't even want to talk about it. I know, right? And and you, like, you know, you you have this time, and the time is over. It's yeah, over. And it's not ever coming back. By the way, you guys, I'm going to put up a video of uh, Mike from TN doing a little dance on our Tribal Rant page with my daughter asked me to do <laughs> this in the middle of the father-daughter dance, so I did, and I did the best that I could. <laughs> and it's not impressive. But it's so it's so sweet though, and um, it's funny. If you guys want to go there to Tribal Rant on this episode and check it out, it's just going to be a little video of the dance they did. I thought it'd be a cool little thing to put up, but but. Um, yeah, Can you give I us just, a preview? Is that like a river dance, or what kind of dance are we talking about here? Well, river dance is Mike's favorite dance. Talking about so. um, some uh, sync, uh, <laughs> the wobble. Uh, I've never heard of any of these before I did them. And uh, uh, let's see, some some vanilla. We got some vanilla ice thrown in there, and then uh, who's? What's it's that? like a compilation. Yeah, it's a little little dance medley of uh, stuff that a lot of people are familiar with, but not me. <laughs> so I practiced two or three times, and I couldn't get it down. So while we were doing it, I just kept referring visually to my daughter and tried to follow her lead the best I could. And uh, she wanted me to do it, and she doesn't ask for anything, so I tried to do it in front of about 75 people. It was the sweetest thing and ever. So now I'm thoroughly humiliated. So oh, just you are em- not. I've embraced the humiliation. You it's are okay. not. It's okay. I can make fun of myself just as good as anybody can. <sighs> so anyways, let's let's move along with <laughs> Jack Kabak. No, but you guys have seriously got to check it out. It'll be on this podcast episode, and it'll just it's just a little two-minute video, but it's it's pretty sweet father-daughter kind of moment. Yeah, right on. I'll be holding my breath for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Philip and Twan are sitting on the couch. Well, yeah, but that but Philip left, you know, Henry, his son, and he goes over to <clears throat> and he goes over to Twan, his son, and takes a McDonald's, but he's sitting there and he's checked out on Twan too. Right? He's thinking about his his childhood. Now, did anybody notice that his memories this time were in color and they weren't before and they seemed happy and they all the pleasant. other time? Yeah, they were, they were pleasant and they were in color and it was some time that he had with his dad just in the middle of nothing, doing nothing. Right. 
Yeah. What do you think that was? What do you think? What do you think that that memory was bringing up at him? Because he didn't look happy remembering it. He looked kind of remorseful. But it was a happy memory, so I didn't really get that. Yeah, color would make you because it was in color makes you think it's happier than black and white. Maybe more more re, more real because it's more likely that I don't know. Maybe closer to being current, more real. Yeah, well, it had to be smiling. after 1964 because that's when the black and whites <laughs> went out. But they were smiling in this one too. He remembered a happy memory. But you're right, Mike. That that was a good catch. He didn't seem happy remembering this, but maybe regret. Maybe nostalgia. Maybe he misses his home. And maybe he misses his kids being little and all the stuff that he was forced to be away from. Kind of like his father was. Remember how angry he was at his when he found out what his father had done and who he was and yeah. how his mom didn't tell him and everything. But then yeah. he's remembering these good things about his father, too. And we see a bunch of this stuff in this episode of... Uh, Things that you definitely feel ambivalent about, and people being used as pawns, and I don't know. Well, then we go into the intro and we come back, and this is where Claudia is having the meeting with Philip and Elizabeth, and they kind of touch on the Morzovs and that everything's going fine there, it's moving forward. Uh, they tell her that Paige is open to moving past her Tim, and Claudia is happy with all that. And then she kind of drops this bombshell on them that the center thinks they might have found a woman they've been looking for for years. Anna Mikhailanova Prokopchuk, I think. Woodchuk. <laughs> she was, according to Claudia, a collaborator that was on a Nazi execution squad, and she personally shot hundreds of our boys and Claudia's very sincere about her sadness over this person that she shot prisoners and then she even went into it that they would line them up around pits in Genetkova and she made it pretty graphic what she was saying and she says this woman's in Newton or Boston, Boston Massachusetts her husband was a medic and they met in the war and she's going by the name Natalie Grandholm. They met in Germany when she was, I think, recouping. And Claudia mentioned that she was slept with too many Nazi officers. And I don't think she told her that here, but yeah, yeah, we do find that out later, <clears throat> where, she, where she's talking about that. Yeah, did did she talk about? Uh, was this the scene where she was talking about the weaponized version of um, when they, she was explaining? that uh, she looked into what they had talked about before with the Lassa virus and the center was able to weaponize the Lassa virus and they named it, um, they named it Variant V for Vitaly, which was William's name. William's Russian name. Yeah, and you know that, I mean, he would just be turning over in his grave, you know, minus a piece of his ass. He can't, Hans is on top of him. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Good, good point. He'd be trying to roll over. Anyways, you know that this would not please William to have a biological weapon, a deadly, nasty biological weapon named after him, because William was going the way of Philip with all the, the you know, I want to get out of this crap, and I don't want to report to the center anymore. And remember, 
how William, you know, his attitude had changed a little bit toward his mission. You remember that? Well, that's that? what he was terrified of. He was terrified. So now the center has taken a piece of him. Literally. Containing this virus that he didn't want to give to him anyway and turned it into a weapon and named it after him. So I thought that was, you know, and Philip, you know, he's taken all this in. You know, and you notice his face while Claudia's telling him and he's just kind of looking down at the floor like, yeah, yeah, William would be just wild about this. You know, you guys, the, the Internet this week was really hard on Elizabeth, calling her a monster and terrible and all this. But, you know, I think Claudia is the monster. I think Claudia and the bosses of Philip and Elizabeth are the true monsters in this. Like this, this very thing here is an example. Naming this poor guy who finally wanted nothing to do with this, now he's memorialized as the code, code name of this horrible weapon. That's horrible. That's yeah. just terrible. Yeah. yeah, I even made a note on there. I said, is this an honor? You know, is this supposed to be an honor that that you're named after a horrible weaponized disease that they're using against people? I mean, who on earth would want that? Yeah, William certainly would not. But the way Claudia said, so that's a good point, Mike. The way Claudia is saying it is like it's an honor. These people are, I don't know, they definitely are showing the people higher ups just seeming more and more evil to me. In what, this did you, what did you guys see as the point of the whole Anna Michaela plot here? Because she really has no, and a 62-year-old or whatever she was, woman who 40 years ago, or yeah, forty some years ago, had cooperated with the Nazis. What? She's not going to help anything or sway anybody or be any kind of a factor in the Russian military or into you know spy game. What? What's the point of the plot with Anna Michaela? What did you guys think? Well, for me, it's a lot like the modern day Nazi hunters. You know, they're still trying to hunt down. If you'll notice, every couple of years, they find one of these guys who was a guard at Dachau or Auschwitz, and they bring his old, wrinkled-up, 95-year-old ass into court and stick him away in prison for the rest of his, you know, 20, all, the last 20 minutes of life so that they can punish him because he was a guard at Auschwitz. Um, and then they always claim, of course, that they they enjoyed it and they were particularly harsh guards. And But those these... Uh, these Israeli Nazi hunters are still at work looking for some of these guys. I think it's the same thing as that. I think Do you there's think a it's like a witch hunt at the center. Not a witch hunt, but a, a okay. It's time to it's time to get even with these these collaborators with these with these people who um, you know did particular harm to our people. I think I think it's the same thing as that. I actually agree with that though. But the but the Russians. Or the, you know, especially Philip and Elizabeth, it's not like they're not doing anything and they're the Nazi hunter team from Russia. They're doing 17 other duties here. And they t and then they throw this one on top of it. I'm really just curious what in the plot, what the writers had in mind when they threw this into the story. is Was it to make Elizabeth look really doubly horrible or was it to make her light come on over her head like maybe this is too much? Okay, I, I felt like, 
I was going to say I have no idea what the Russian would, why the Russians would have wanted to go after this woman. That makes not a lot of sense after that many years. They can't possibly be looking for ever, or maybe who knows. There's a list where they look for every single person that they feel like has wronged them over the course of their lifetime. But in the storyline, I felt like it was very profound. The story about this woman, because. I feel like this this woman's story mimics Elizabeth's story in a way. Elizabeth has been gone for a really long time, and she's done the things she's done, and some of them have been horrible. Like, this woman has done horrible things, but she's done them because she didn't have a choice. She's done them because this was her her duty to do what she did. And it's not the same thing, but I feel like... It yeah, Elizabeth's really... not being coerced, though. No, no, that's what I'm saying. But but this woman didn't have a choice. And Elizabeth now, she doesn't have a choice. She does what they tell them to do, and that's it. If they don't do what they're told to do at this point, it's not going to end well for them. And I think that Elizabeth is seeing that and I think I think maybe that that's one of my thoughts anyway, that that's what's making her so angry is that she's seeing that like at the end, this woman had no choice. She had no choice. This woman was a pawn. And I think Elizabeth and Philip are both feeling like pawns. And not only are they feeling like pawns, but they feel like that they've brought their daughter now into this who's doing things that are very dangerous that she could get hurt. Well, Paige got the episode off, so right. they saved that salary. I think that's right, Michelle, because Elizabeth was 16, this woman, um, Anna Michaela, was 16. Paige was right. 16. Paige is 16. So, yeah, I think those parallels have to be part of the reason. Yeah, I just thought that it just mimicked her. It was some way for her to get some kind of close-up feeling maybe because otherwise I wouldn't have any idea why they would throw this it has to obviously be just a you know a one-trick pony she's not coming back for the next episode this Natalie Grandhome's not so well then we go to Russell and the interrogator and Oleg and they're walking into this office okay what the heck was this scene about does anybody have any idea this guy Nikita says that he had to interrogate someone for anti-state activities and he'll have to commit him even though he knows he's not crazy and he's going through this whole little spiel about it. And Russell says that he should have known better than to open his mouth. And that was pretty much the whole scene. Now, what was this? Well, first off, if you'll remember, Nikita looked over at Oleg and uh, what, Rushlin, was that? Rushlin. Rushlin. Rushlin said, oh, he's okay. You know, like mm -hmm. he's with me. Don't worry. You know, a couple of KGB guys, they're very careful what they say and what they don't say because, you know, if you think, you know, people over here inform on each other a lot, I mean, imagine that that little closed off society, that, 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 that little organization, their intelligence organization. You say the wrong thing, you know, you're, you're exactly where that guy Nikita was talking to is at. You're, you're being evaluated for, uh, uh, you know, they either, you know, shoot you or put you in a mental hospital, which is where Misha was. Remember right. they yeah, had remember Misha, that. Philip's son. 
in a mental hospital because you make statements against the the Soviet state and you're considered to be mentally ill. And so that's what they that's what they would do with them unless it's too severe and of course they'd shoot you. So Nikita's just, you know, talking about, hey, I knew this guy, you know, I feel sometimes the same way this dude way. He but first he wanted to make sure that he was in the company of friends or he was in the company of, you know, people who weren't like hadn't drank the the Soviet state Kool-Aid and were too patriotic. So that's why he was kind of looking over there at Oleg and looking at Russell and like, can I speak freely here? This is my read on it. I don't, you know, I don't know. And, uh, and Russell said, yeah, yeah, he's okay. Just go ahead. What, what, are we, what are we talking about here? And so they're obviously familiar with each other. And Nikita just started telling uh, Russell, you know, I, I kind of felt like this guy does sometimes, but you know, I had to send him on to the mental hospital anyway, go figure. And Russell's like, yeah, yeah, you know, just got to keep your mouth shut. So it's a it's a foregone conclusion here that the only way to successfully survive within this you know political climate is to keep your mouth shut. Just go along with uh, go along with the you know the, the the company the company line, which is submit. Yeah, I was wondering if if this was Russell's way, if he actually kind of set this up going in there and talking to this guy and if this was his way of telling Oleg to not say anything without him telling him don't say anything because he can't tell him he can't tell Oleg don't don't speak to the people who are speaking to you he can't say that to him because that would be a crime but if he takes him in there to this guy who's doing the interrogating and he asks him about it, and the guy says something. He goes, well, the guy should have known not to ever open his mouth. If maybe that was Russell's way of showing what happens and what the guy shouldn't have done. I think they're just in there talking. I think they're just a couple. There are three agents in there talking to each other, just just talking. But shop. what what point would that, What what's the point of that in this episode? Just. Well, the point is, is Oleg is not the only one disillusioned with the upper management. Hmm. Here we have Nikita, who's, you know, we don't know what his, what his views are, but uh, I, think, I think we're showing the level of disillusionment that's spreading throughout the, uh, you know, the, and these guys work in an intelligence agency, so they're supposed to be super patriots, right? But they're not. I guess, and we see the same kind of thing with the FBI for right. a while too. Yeah, the, just have, the decay of the management of Russia, that the, he's going in the mental ward, even though we know he's sane, he is sane. That's that's sick, man. And yeah, they're just all so there. evil. Yes. Well, then we see disguised Philip and Elizabeth, and they're in Boston. They're in a car talking about Henry while looking for Natalie. They're having a bad wig contest here, boy. That's what they're doing. They sometimes put the, I mean... Elizabeth has this beautiful hair, you know, and they put the worst wigs on her. The scraggliest it wigs. It is rough. Speaking of bad <clears throat> wigs, Michelle, you asked for our pictures, and I saw a couple pictures, but not many of you. I saw Mike's pictures, and I no, gave you my horrendous couple... pictures. Don't do that. I sent me, too. Mike's looking at me. didn't even know I sent them. You sent pictures of me? Yeah. Well, yeah, old pictures. You look like you look now, Michelle. We look we look like goofballs in wigs like the, like the Americans do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. No offense, no, Mike. I, I, 
<laughs> no, I'm not taking it. No, I, I pulled him off of your Facebook and I sent him. He sent a couple of 1980s pictures of him. So I sent a couple. Send my flight deck picture. I'll, I'll show you the ones I sent. It's pretty funny. And I do not look like I look now. That's funny. The Mike. point is we all looked pretty goofy back then. So it's pretty hard to pick on the wigs. You know, that's that's how we all kind of look. They They look appropriate, I think. I think they definitely look appropriate, but they do make them scraggly looking sometimes. But I have to say that they used to make them look scraggly every time, like when they went to Alabama or something. So now they made them scraggly when they went to Boston. So I guess I have to. Equal time. Yep. But this is where Philip's telling Elizabeth that he told Henry that he could go if she didn't care and he knew she didn't care. And Elizabeth goes into this whole thing where he's only going to be gone for a couple months and then he'll be home and then he'll be gone for a couple months and then he'll be home. So she's definitely not feeling this loss, I don't think, that Philip is feeling. And then Natalie, they see her and her husband come walking toward a car and Philip notices that the husband's opening her car door for her and he notes that they seem to like one another and Elizabeth is real bitter and she's like, well, good for them. <laughs> there was a lot of conflict. There's a big disconnect, I think. Do y'all think between Philip and Elizabeth in this episode? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Because Philip has this, I smell something that smells bad look on his face the whole episode. And Elizabeth, I mean, I'm seeing her have this look when she looks at Philip. Like, what the hell are you thinking? Well, like, you're distasteful to me. And we saw that a bunch early on, but we haven't seen that in a long time. And so that's kind of worrying me, too. Yeah, I got to the point where I thought, that Philip especially is going to look at Elizabeth and just say, I can't be with her anymore. She's just not, you know, she's just not someone I want to be with, especially later in this episode. We'll get to it, but I, well, I but literally put that in my notes. Three days ago. It'd be hard to look at her and say, I don't want to be with her. Well, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if she's like this cold-blooded killer... And everything. Of course, I can't say much to you because Mike here, uh, Nikki on Fargo, which we podcast over on West Coast Project, he thinks she's like the coolest thing in the world, right? Yeah, I do too. Well, and I'm she's like, not a cold-blooded killer. Well, is she not? No, she did a little appliance misadventure. Come on. <laughs> right. And that's, that's two floors away. That's not just shooting somebody point blank in the head. Big difference. And then she... And then she left, like, dirty feminine hygiene products in somebody's door. I'm like, so, Mike, how do you like her now? And he goes, yeah, I'd still go out with yeah. that. Wouldn't slow me down. It's natural. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I'm very sorry I brought that up. Very sorry. Um, okay. Then we go to the scene where Stan is showing Henry through the FBI office. Pretty cool scene here. Adderholt's teasing him a little bit good-naturedly, telling him to check out the soap dispensers in the bathroom and asking if it works for the post. And then Wolf calls Adderholt, and when he does, Henry asks who Wolf is, and Stan explains that. And then when the vault door closes and the red light goes on, Henry wants to know about that, too. And Henry cannot visit that room. Stan says that's where they do secret stuff. And then this is where we see the male robot, and he impressed Henry as much as he's impressed us over the years. And Stan is unimpressed. 
Yeah, he the said the male robot perfect. still has the bug, right? No, I remember they found the bug in the male robot. Did they? Did they remove it? Oh, I remember yeah. they found it. But... Well, they didn't remove it. They left it in there so they could send yeah, disinformation. Right. Yeah. Hmm, right. But uh, Tatiana and uh, who was it? It was Tatiana and Oleg at the time going over. That's how they got close, going over all the tapes of the male robot. Right. But Henry likes it, so that was pretty funny. So then we're back in Boston, and a disguised Philip and Elizabeth are following Natalie Grand home as she walks down the sidewalk, and Elizabeth's making her picture with her secret Russian pocketbook cam. Yeah, camera purse. Then the woman that Dimitri pinned, Femina, is walking down a road in blue Russia and enters a building, and Oleg's like right on her heels, and we find out that she bought sausages. She didn't talk to anybody but the cashier. Now, this was an interesting conversation, though, because Russell asks him if he's going home, and Oleg says he has to go to the grocery store first and get some groceries for his family, and then he says it's near... I'll get you in. You can buy some nice food for your wife. And yeah, they have segregated shopping because, remember, his dad is a minister. So he's got, you know, very, very, he's a high-ranking member of the Politburo. But did we know that? Did we know they yeah. actually had separate? I didn't know they had segregated shopping until this scene, but it makes sense because, you know, he's he's a minister. So he gets better stuff. But it's funny that they're investigating these other people for wanting to get better stuff. And uh, it's just a matter of, you know, matter of, um, of uh, you know, business as usual that everybody else, you know, gets better stuff. Well, not everybody else, but a certain, certain um, uh, group. Well, I think the other stuff goes a whole lot deeper than this, though, don't you? It's oh, not just yeah. somebody getting snuck into another grocery store occasionally to purchase something. Everybody this keeps is... telling them, too. Uh, you don't know who you're messing with. And I think they're going to find that they run into some very uh, influential people. I think their investigation is going to get shut down, is what I think. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, if you guys, if we ever got into it. I think Jamie and I used to. But it's the whole animal farm story. Some people are more equal than others. And these pr- these privileged upper-class KGB guys and the ministers and all these guys get their special groceries. The same thing they're investigating this poor Fomina for. Right. They're more equal than the proletariat people slugging their way through life, and they have to do what Martha's doing on the empty shelves. It's just not fair. Exactly. And their whole system, their whole their whole uh, ideology and their, their, their theory about their society is everybody's equal, you know, top down. Everybody, everybody, you know, all the, everybody, you know, the workers unite, that kind of thing. And then here they've set up these different classes within that, that um, system. It's just kind of, uh, it's, it's hypocrisy. But why wouldn't Ruslan, well, I guess because Oleg wouldn't be allowed to shop in this grocery store either, right? No, Oleg can because he's the minister's son. Right, but he can't based on his position. He can based on his father's position. He, Is that what works? He can based on his family position. Right. You're born into that family. You're you're in the. But club. we're talking about the KGB, and most people are not. Oh no, the KGB. That's a that's separate tier. That's a that's a tier down from the ministers. So yeah, Russell's worried that if he gets caught, he'll be doing what Fomina's doing essentially, because he's not supposed to be in that nice store. 
Right. Company he doesn't man. have the the Costco card yet. Only does because of his dad being the minister of transportation. That's right. Well, then we go to Philip and Elizabeth, and they're working at the table again when Henry comes in, and Henry starts to tell them about meeting Adderholt in the big computer room and the vault. Now, this vault thing, when he said that, that looked almost like a challenge to yeah. Philip and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. To me, both of them kind of looked up like, oh, you can't hear anything in there, huh? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that so? Then he, you know, they had a little product placement plug for KFC. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he talked about that. Kentucky Fried Chicken, though. Technically. That's right. Yeah, we didn't we didn't use the initials back then. No siree. We were we were some three words. Well, then we go to where Elizabeth and Philip have developed the pictures that Elizabeth had just taken of Natalie, and Philip saying, "Who knows? I mean, you're talking about a forty year difference here from a girl to a to a grandmother." Elizabeth wants to shoot her right there. Yep, looks like her to me. Let's load up. Let's get strapped and go. Well, Elizabeth says that Stan is not getting Henry. Yeah, I know. Um, Philip asked if Elizabeth thinks Paige wanted them to see the photos. That's interesting because we talked about that last week. Remember we brought that up, that Paige might have just wanted them to read it to get their reaction. Well, it's a very different thing when you actually read something than when you hear about something. It really is. It has a different impact, at least on most people. And Philip just asked Elizabeth the question. Do you think she just wanted us to, she wanted to see us seeing that. Right. Yeah. So that verifies it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then we go to commercial and we come back and Russell and Oleg are being led into the office. Okay, guys, how did they get into this office? How did they get into her work office? That dude let let them in. How? Who is that? Why would he have let them in there? Because they showed up and flashed their KGB badges and said, hey, let us in this office or we'll put you in a mental hospital. (laughs) You would think that her position... And the stuff that's going on there would be protected. No, the KGB, They right now, I mean, you've got these powers that are kind of intersecting with each other. So when you show up, you know, the building super is not involved in any way in any of this crap, probably. And so the KGB shows up, flashes their badges and say, hey, we need to get into Flamina's office. He's right away, sir. Well, they take... The guy takes Ruslan and Oleg up to the office and shows them the exact desk that she sits at. And they start to go through the room, like seriously go through the room, moving bookshelves, looking underneath drawers and that kind of stuff. Uh, They say that she gets gifts sometimes. She got vermouth from Yugoslavia. She gets packaged gifts that she carries home. The... They find a nice dress in a closet there, and Oleg makes a very astute comment. He says if she's wearing that dress, it's because she's around other people who wear dresses like that. So that was pretty astute. They hypothesize that it might not even be her dress, but the guy who had let them in says that it it is. He's seen her in it. So he's just kind of telling everything he knows, and... In the locked drawer, I thought it was interesting, was like the liquor, and it looked like there was like a picture in there, and then it looked like candy and stuff. But So she had that stuff locked up, 
But this ledger with all these names and everything in it, she didn't even bother to lock up. She was unconcerned. So what's that all about? I think that's her level of confidence that she's protected. What did you think, Mike? Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. She's worried about her precious little baubles, but the really important thing, that's just business as usual. She just keeps that loose in the regular drawer. Does that mean, though, that it's not... It's not as big a deal as they're making it. Does it mean that they're not going to be able to have an effect on this like they think they are? Or does none of that stuff even really matter? No, I think it's a big deal. But we kind of saw Fomina when they called her on it. She's like, you you got to be kidding me, right? This is how we all do it. She, she was actually kind of a little surprised. She didn't want to get caught with the stuff, like the vermouth and stuff, but she was she was kind of surprised. Like, you're, you're kidding me. You're going to call this on me, This this the fact that we all get special privileges or some of us get special privileges? She seemed less worried about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then we go to the scene where Philip and Elizabeth are talking to Claudia about what they found out about Natalie at this point. Her husband's an ophthalmologist. She's a nurse. She has two daughters. She has grandchildren. She volunteers at a free clinic. She babysits a granddaughter a couple mornings a week. And I think this was the part where Claudia was, it might have been the part before where she was talking about. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. We've already covered that. But, um,. Claudia sits there so sanctimoniously, right? And she goes, she's made a nice life for herself, hasn't she? And it was just. Well, you know, they're, she's towing the company line. And this woman was a Nazi collaborator. And they've looked for her for years. And they just, you know. Well, that's their story. That's their story. But. That's, that's right. But that's what, this is, this is their you know their their perspective. Do you of, think Claudia believes this stuff? Claudia does, sure. Yeah, I think she's. Yeah, Claudia's like Mike said. She's a monster who works for the other, the head monsters. I think though. I still think. I think Claudia's embellishing it to make her look super bad to Philip and Elizabeth, just so that they'll take care of her. I agree with that too. Yeah. It, this lady was a puppet to all these other evil people, and now Philip and Elizabeth are a puppet to Claudia. Uh, exactly. I don't not. I do not like Claudia. <laughs> and I in my notes, it's funny. I kept calling this girl the Nazi girl, the Nazi lady, and, and then like halfway through, I'm calling her Natalie or whatever her real name is because I realize she's just not as bad as Claudia painted her. No. Well, I I wasn't sure honestly. I wasn't sure at this point if she was or not. I wasn't sure if she was some monster who did really horrible things and then just came over here and escaped it. But, as, well, as a matter of fact, it's not that I wasn't sure. It was that I didn't think that at all. I thought sh- that there was a woman who did that stuff, Anna, and it was just a matter of if Natalie was her or not. And then come to find it out that the story is not even right. I was I was pretty surprised. I was It was a little curveball to me. I was expecting the woman that they were looking for to be 
a bad person if they found her, at least in her previous life, yeah, and not to you, have this other story. If you listen to Claudia, she got VD because she slept with every Nazi she could get her hands on. And when you listen to the truth that Natalie shares later on, she got she was forced to get drunk, and she was essentially raped by these soldiers. Yeah, Big she difference. was kept as a, as a sex slave, essentially, for them. She was a young girl, and she was kept around for their pleasure. That's and to why kill she was, Russian troops. Well, and to do whatever they told her to exactly. do, I'm sure. Yeah, serve their needs. And it's just, it's completely a different story than the one Claudia tells us. It's Elizabeth's well, story, like you said, Michelle. What, what, you know, what if Elizabeth got VD from the guy that she was working for? I mean, same story. It's it's Elizabeth. Some it's, it's a mirror of Elizabeth. I think so, and I think it affected Elizabeth in that way. But I'm not sure which way it's pushing her. Do you think it's pushing her? Do you think she's seeing that? Or do you think she's rebelling against that knowledge? At the end, I think she's swayed a little bit more towards the, this is screwed up, I don't want to do it anymore side. Do you think, see, what I'm worried about is this. You were talking about how Philip looked at her like you were afraid he was going to just say, I can't do this with you anymore. You are too cold-blooded for me. Well, I felt like she was looking at him in a way that she used to look at him as you are weak and you are not the person you need to be. And I wondered if she said that to see his reaction and to see what he really wanted to do. I, think I didn't both. really think that, but, you know, but I, but I wondered if maybe that was why she was doing that. If she were like trying to catch him and wanting to defect not, or, or, Whatever, just not to do his mission. I don't know if defect is right, but... I think both of those observations are true. I think she did look at him like, oh, you baby, you can't even shoot these people. I'll I'll do it. Um, but I don't think it was a test. I just think she, I think she's I think she's this is dawning on her that what what am I doing? I'm I'm killing the same thing that happened to this woman. Essentially, happened to me. She's still following orders, so she's still a better soldier than Philip. Philip's, like, really not a good soldier anymore, and she may not respect that part of him, but I think she's yeah. realizing that this is messed up. What she's doing is messed up. Philip's heart's definitely not in it anymore. I don't see as big a parallel as you two do with um, the Russian collaborator and Elizabeth. Elizabeth was, you know, she chose to be a... KGB agent, or she was selected, and she went through the training, and she's. But she was a she, child. Her mother gave her over. She was a child. Her mother gave her over. See, her mother she's gave her committed. over. She wasn't. She wasn't um, forced into it at gunpoint, and she they didn't get her drunk to do it. She no, was, but the other and she's a Russian patriot who's you know, she she's into it. And this one girl just happened, you know, she was standing in the center of the square when the Nazis invaded and her dad got shot and her mom got shot and she was left alive. She said it made no reason, made no sense at all. But, you know, she she was used for their purposes, you know, sex, shoot Soviet prisoners, do whatever they wanted her to do. And then after the war, of course, she immediately exited. But Elizabeth is engaged voluntarily and with enthusiasm 
and uh, great, uh, great right. purpose. But the point endeavor. I think, Mike, that I, I'm trying to make about it is this, is that even though they came at it from different angles, Elizabeth's seeing that this girl has been used and used by them and now being discarded. And I think she feels used. Look at what they did to William. They used William. She just saw that. No, I, using I get that her. part of it. No, no, and I, now I what's next? That. Are yeah. they going to discard them too? There's I, no loyalty to the people. I understand that that parallel, just not, you know, totally the same thing. Well, I think even though they came at it from different angles, I think there's enough similarity in the story. I think it's got Elizabeth's attention. I would agree with that. Well, then Henry's reading his paper that he's written to Stan, and Stan says he's laying it on a little thick. Henry says, but you've got the best job in the world. Now, then this is where Stan goes into, I would explain this to you, Henry, but I can't because I don't trust you. And that kind of takes Henry back a little bit. I think it might even hurt his feelings a little bit. He's like, what? You, you know, you can't trust me. He goes, I'm not allowed to trust you. I'm not allowed to trust anybody. And he He's said, trying to illustrate the, the, uh, the way that the FBI looks at things. Yeah, he is. But he's also, I think he's sharing really his disillusionment with it. I don't think at this point, I don't think Stan was trying to recruit Henry at all. No, I don't think Stan don't wants either. Henry to do that job. No, I think Stan was saying the FBI has essentially ruined his life. He's saying that he couldn't trust his wife. He can't trust his child. He's essentially alone. And I also thought it was a pretty big point to say he loves Henry. He feels very fatherly toward Henry. And he's looking at this 15-year-old, 14-year-old kid, and he's going, I can't trust you. My job won't let me trust you. So if he means that, and I think he does in a way, how much more can he not trust Philip and Elizabeth if he can't even trust a child? Well, he can't trust Henry because he's not, he's not allowed to, whether he wanted to or not, or whether he really would trust him. He's just following the, F the FBI rules. I don't think he likes that rule. I think he's kind of a, he's, he's kind of unenamored with the FBI, kind of like the Jennings are unenamored now with the KGB. And Oleg, too, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but at the same time, Phil, uh, Stan says, some people trust their wives, but I didn't, and I don't know why. No idea why. Now, so I, I felt like it was a little deeper than just my job won't allow me to. I felt like it was more of a my job has taught me, has trained me to not trust anybody. But I don't know. The job requires that you don't trust anybody. Well, he said that a lot of them are allowed to are, are allowed do trust their wives, but he couldn't. Yeah. Don't you think I it's think a, it, a, the kind of the theme? As I talk to you guys, I'm starting to realize this. The theme is like this is what my team has made me. My team made me this, and, and whether it's good or bad, they're kind of they've inherited these things that this management has made all these people. And it's really not good. I guess it's not good or bad. It's all bad, really. Yeah, it made me so like I couldn't the... even trust my wife. I, I'd love to trust you, Henry, but I can't. It's the rules. I just can't trust you. It's kind of like declaring yourself a member of this political party or that political party. If you don't buy into the whole platform, you really can't be a complete member. That's interesting, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see that about how the FBI's molded Stan, just like the Nazis molded 
uh, this Anna girl and made her to be who she is. And like the KGB is molding Elizabeth and Philip and Oleg and Russell organizational ideology, ideology. If you want to succeed within the organization, you have to, you have to adhere to their, their core beliefs and values. And if they're not your core beliefs and values, then, then by God, they will be, or you'll find another organization. You'll go to a mental hospital. Yeah. The organizational torpedo your ass out. So then Oleg and Russell the interrogator are sitting with Femina and she's very calm. Yeah. She's unconcerned. They push the book over to her. She pushes it right back. I love, I love the line where she says she's looking at him. It's a front on shot of her. She's looking right at him and she's looking at him like, you know, silly rabbit, you know, tricks are for kids. Says this is how the whole country works. You doofuses. Don't yeah, you're you, kidding me. You're, you got to be yeah, kidding me. You, you don't understand. I I had a, a time, Mike, I don't know if you're aware of it. Uh, back in 04, I had some uh, problems with the federal government, and I was being questioned by an FBI officer. And there were about three of them there, and they had ink pen out because the FBI doesn't use uh, tapes in a investigation, um, in, a, in a questioning. They don't, they don't tape you. They they use notes. Their policy is not to use tape. It's uh, in my view, so they can write down what they want to write down, but just refer back to this current thing we've got with Comey. But I digress. So anyways, this FBI agent asked me, um, or I asked him, I said, why are you so interested in this? What's going on with me? I said, you're not even from around here. I said, Mr. Brock, public corruption is our number one mission at the FBI. And so I looked at him, and I'm trying to be funny, Mike, and I said, have you been to Nashville? And, you know, that's our capital here in Tennessee. And I'm making a joke because, you know, I'm involved with some legislators up there at the time. And um, he looked right at me. He clicked his pen, put it down on the paper. He goes, no, who should I talk to when I get there? Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. And so I'm like, ooh, lawyer, (laughs) conversation's over. I'm out of here. I'm not saying another word, but it's the same. It's the same dynamic. It's the same. The same thing is is playing out here. Uh, you know, she's. You know, they're sitting there all. You know, high and mighty, and she's. You know, you guys are with the KGB. She's almost like saying, "Hey, I'm reading into what she's saying." You know, you, you should know how this works. You guys know how this works. This is the way whole country works. This is the way business is done. What are you even? bothering me for right there are, you know there are people that you know you know that are involved in this and when you get to them boy are you going to get it this is what i'm hearing out of her mouth and i think this is what we're going to find out later on well she says it's not complicated she says she didn't do anything but keep a ledger for her boss and she's like what else do you want she's just yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> what? And, and and they tell her that they want all the details about your boss and his friends, uh, how they use their position to enrich themselves. They want to know how they get all these people, and he points to the ledger to do exactly what they want them to do with our nation's food supply. And she just looks at him. She goes, "You've got this all wrong." And then they start threatening her with jail. And They're, she's unconcerned. She's unconcerned. And Russell just is beside himself. He doesn't. Oleg leans in and says, he leans in and says, look, we're trying to go easy on you here. 
you know, you're, you're, you, you need to, you need to cooperate. And she says, uh, um, he says, we know that you're not some little powerless secretary. So we're not buying that. And she, she looked right at him and says, I never said I was powerless. And Russell's just, we're going to lock you up for 15 years. You don't know who you're messing with. And she's sitting over there like, I know exactly who I'm messing with. Yeah, she's a cog in the machine. She was a little too righteous back to them. That was probably not a great idea on her part. But she was right. I mean, she is a cog in the wheel of the system that they created, and she's just a minor part of it. But at some point, I mean, if if they're going to get somebody, they're going to get somebody. And she could be the cog that they decide to pull out, right, and lock away. Yeah. Kind of like they did Dimitri. I mean, you know, somebody's going to pay the price for it, presumably, if it goes the way they're talking about. And for whatever reason, her name's the one that came up, even though evidently she's the person who just keeps the ledgers. I'm wondering well. if... She's involved in it. She is getting paid. She is, Ill, she is crooked, but she's probably not the mastermind. She's just well. She's crooked if you're talking about like a bottle of vermouth and a couple of you know pieces of candy and yeah, a nice dress or something. It's I mean, a, they don't even look at it as crooked. They just look at it as this is the way business is done. Well, I mean, that's not that. That just seems not that that's right. That's obviously wrong. But it just seems small potatoes compared to a whole nation of starving people while other people have abundance. No, I, I agree. But yeah, she works her for boss, this. This Kirilov guy should be, they should be working her to get more on that guy than to, I guess they probably are. That's probably what they're after. Right. And then Russell asks her if she can, if she thinks she can defeat the KGB and she sits there and she goes, well, it's not just me. Right. And she said, the KGB thinks they're above all this. You think you're so high and mighty. Yeah, she's pretty bold. So is it going to end up being people in the KGB? Yes. Yes. Well, it's going to be end up being people that are equivalent to Oleg's dad, those, those level people. Yeah, but remember when it first started out, the colonel was saying, we're the only part that's not corrupt? Do you think that's true? Well, he, the colonel certainly believes that in his mind, but they're going to find out that uh, they've got some people that, that are above them, I think, that uh, are going to pull some strings. And, you think? Yeah, I think this investigation is going to go away. I think they're going to shut this thing down abruptly. I don't think it'll go away. I what would be the point of having this whole thing? Well, with somebody in the KGB got the bright idea to do it, and as soon as it touches somebody that doesn't want to be touched, who's got some real power... It's going to go away. Well, that wouldn't make for very good TV. It makes just... for perfect TV to show the level that corruption, uh, the level of corruption in any country or any government. I think it'd be perfect. What do you think, Mike? You I think have kind just of a gonna... different take because I, I remember, I don't know, I think it was earlier in this season where they warned, somebody warned Oleg, okay, your new job, you know, you're going to investigate your own inner circle. You're going to end up investigating essentially your, your father and his comrades and his group of friends and other ministers, you're, you're essentially going to end up investigating yourself. So be careful because, you know, you're, you're, you got to realize what you're involved in now. And I think that's the drama here is Oleg's going to, if he does his job well, he's going to have to bust his father <laughs> essentially or himself or the KGB members that are close to him. Um, if yeah, gonna- I think it was the Colonel having that conversation with him when he first got there. 
unless they only uproot the evil that they want to keep at a certain level, which may be more of that. Some people are more equal than others. So how are y'all feeling now about Oleg? Uh, does he feel as safe? Oleg's still just trying to do his job. I don't. I, Oleg's cool as a cucumber. I, I think Oleg's. I think Oleg feels um, pretty comfortable wherever he's at. You see, I don't feel like he does. I mean, I don't really know how he feels, but I think they're leading us more and more toward Oleg being this not ending well for Oleg. Well, like Mike said, they, the colonel told him to be careful, and I think you're going to, you both, you're going to realize why the colonel told him to be careful. And it's not because he's going to end up busting his dad or his friends because his dad and his dad's friends are unbustable because they're untouchable as far as. But uh, somebody can touch them, remember, because somebody took his can, wife away from him for this five years. organizational thing that they're investigating, it's so far reaching is what they're not hearing from anybody they're talking to yet. Everybody's telling them the same thing. You don't know. You don't know who all's involved in this. You, right. you, you have no idea. And nobody's hearing any of that. And when they get to that point, I'm telling you, this is gonna this is gonna go away. Or like you, you, you one of you mentioned, uh, they're gonna find a scapegoat and just pin it on them. But um, that's that's why that's that's in my view why the colonel was telling Oleg to be careful because you got to be careful who you end up pissing off at a, at a high level, who you end up catching. Okay, you caught me, but guess what? Now it's your ass that's going to the mental hospital. Yeah, or Oleg will have a crisis of conscience because he, he is essentially a good guy. And once he realizes, hey, I'm busting all these poor slobs that are just trying to make it through life, but I'm, I'm going to stop at this level and not bust these rich ministers, he's going to have some sort of a crisis of conscience that he has to deal with. So it, you're right, Mike, the, hen, the wolves are in the hen house and the wolves aren't going to blow the whistle on themselves. But Oleg himself is going to have this problem that he's going to have to resolve somehow. Yeah, I agree. He's kind of like uh, a Russian version of Stan. Um, he's, you know, Stan's already, you know, pulled the trigger on him for trying to protect Oleg. If you do this, here's what I'm going to do. I mean, just, just. But they've never answered the question about Stan. I mean, Stan never answered, right? When Wolf went to him about how they wanted to start pressing Oleg again. Yeah. So that could also come up and come to some kind of yeah, fruition. Yeah, Mike's talking about. The crisis I see of the conscience, yeah. Same similarity conscience. With, with Stan and, and really. And with Philip. And, 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 Philip. and now mm -hmm. Elizabeth to a degree, but certainly with Philip. So Philip, Stan, and Oleg, you know, they should form their own little S group. We'll offshoot. Well, then we see Elizabeth. She's working in the laundry room, and Philip does some kind of weird knock on the door, and she lets him in, and she just says, Natalie Granholm is a go-ahead. And Philip says that they saw the same pictures that they did, and Philip is uncomfortable with this. He's certainly unconvinced, yeah. Right. And Elizabeth says, it looks like her. I know, like she says it again. Like that's just it, you know, yeah. and he says that he has to be sure. He says he can't get this order and do what they say. He says, we talked about this and she's very, she's tender with him here, but man, she looks at him sometimes like, you know, I'm going to turn this gun on you. If you, you don't pussy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. What are you thinking about? You yeah. You can see her trigger finger twitching when she's, yeah, let's go get him. But she does say, we'll make sure like as a kindness to Philip. Right. Well, they're still pretty raw from, Snapping that guy's neck in the butterfly factory. <laughs> the butterfly. And getting married. 
a lot of ha yeah, lot like, happened in a week. Really? Yeah. Well, then we go to Stan and Adderholt, and there was Sophia. And she's telling them about a Valentina Ivankova, a reporter. They're moving back home, and she doesn't know why, or moving, and she doesn't know why. And they ask about Yuri and if he's had any special interest in her in the last few months, and she doesn't know anything about all that. And they tell her just to keep noticing stuff like this. But then as she's leaving, they bring up her son, and then they bring up this uh, Gennady again, which I think was the other kind of just small talk. And then they're bringing up this Gennady because that's what they're really interested in, right? Is this guy? Is that the I hockey think. boyfriend? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think that's their target here. Yeah, but they just kind of bring him up. Because he's a courier, remember? Right. But they bring him up as she as she's leaving, kind of like they're interested in her life and they're making small talk after the actual work is over, getting her to tell this other stuff that doesn't seem to have any kind of meaning or anything that they're working on. But she goes on that he, you know, she really likes him. They're getting closer. He likes her, too. And they act like they're happy for her. But then Stan warns her to be careful with him, too. Yeah. So yeah. what's that? On the way out. Well, I think Stan's just, you know, he remembers the Nina episode. And he's just just giving her a little little reminder. Be, you got to be careful with him, too. You can't get too comfortable. You know, because she seems a little... You know, naive. Uh, a little. Yeah, she's not. She's not very. It's not very. Not not really in spy mode, or asset mode, or whatever you want to want to refer to her as. But she's. Uh, I think he's a little worried that she's. Uh, you know, may may out herself with this hockey guy. She's got those nice teeth now, so she's willing. That's to right. Talk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were talking about the Gennady guy, though, and I think that. The way they're just kind of mentioning him in passing, but I think that is the main thing that they really want to know and hear about. Seems like it anyway. Yeah, he's their target. Not that they wouldn't want to hear other stuff that may end up having meaning, but I just thought it was really interesting. It feels like like Nina used to go to Stan and like pour out everything, but but Nina was smart, right? She knew what they wanted, but yeah, she this, was sly and clever. It feels like they're working Sophia. Even though she's there. And she doesn't know they're working her. Right. Yeah. That's the feeling I get anyway. Right. This would be like Stan and Erholder, just like um, Oleg and Ruslan. Like if Oleg said to Sof Sof what's her name? Sophia. F the other girl, though, the Russian girl. Fomina. Sophia, Fomina, Babina, Fafina, the Russian girl. If, if Oleg would say, hey, be careful what you tell us because we're trying to get you in trouble here. That's kind of what Stan is saying <laughs> right. to Sophia. <laughs> right. Yeah. right? They're both, they're like, a, it's a mirror of the same situation. Well, then Philip and Elizabeth are disguised and they're staking out Natalie's house as she goes in and they get out of the car and sneak inside. She's setting the table when she sees Philip, and she thinks it's a robbery. Now, you guys tell me, did y'all think, did you believe her that she was not this Anna person? I did. I believed her. What at about you, first, At but it switched. Well, of course, when she said, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, well, but when even then, I felt like she was just trying to pretend, okay, okay, just kill me because I don't want you to hurt my husband. I love him that much. I think... That when you you see her 
going into that mode. Okay, you're right. I killed them. I killed them all. Friends, neighbors, I killed them. Uh, when they said, you know, we're waiting on your husband. And Philip's looking at Elizabeth like, hey, wait a minute. She really isn't Anna. She she is really not this person, I think, because she's she's just now just trying to get rid of us. Uh, right. She wants us to kill her and leave John, her right. husband, alone. Yeah. So I, I kind of, you know, and then... Then of course, when she breaks down, and 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 she tells him he doesn't know, he thinks I'm wonderful. Then I knew she really—that's who it really. She really was her. Well, what do you guys think? Because the minute they walk into her house, she's dead. Whether she's the right girl or the wrong girl, because they can't say, "Oh, sorry, we had the wrong girl." Right. See you later. The disguises aren't that good. She's yeah. the warehouse lady on just wrong place, wrong time too bad but you're 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 a goner you're right well we know that but of course you know she didn't know that natalie didn't know that yeah but she probably knew that if she knew once she found out they were there from russia i can't imagine that she expected much sympathy despite well as soon as as soon as her husband walks in too i mean we knew he was dead too that was the end for him but she was very convincing at the beginning, I did not. I thought they really had the wrong person. I did too. I yeah, did me too. There for a while. And she's even saying that she's never been to Janetkova, never, and she's vehemently denying it. And Elizabeth calls her a traitor and all that kind of stuff. And then we come back from a commercial, and Elizabeth's crying. Did y'all notice that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Philip asked. Elizabeth had walked out of the room and Philip walks in the other room with her and he asks if she's all right. And I had written down initially that she seems upset. And then the second watch, she was crying. Elizabeth was crying, y'all. Seriously. There was a tear. Yeah. I didn't notice that either. Okay. So what on earth? She, this was right after her saying, he, she said, you want to know who we are? And then in Russian, she says, we are them. And we went to a commercial and then she, she's got her like by the back of the head and she's saying this, you know, in her ear. And then she walks out of the room and we come back from the commercial. Philip goes to her and he says, are you all right? And she has tears on her face. And I couldn't tell because she's like, she's, she's disgusted with Philip. She's incredulous. She's going, do you believe her? And, but, but she's crying at the same time. Now, this was before the woman had said anything. Anyway, I thought that was profound to see Elizabeth cry over this. But she is telling Philip in this other room, she says she's lying. And then Philip says, well, even if she is. Yeah. And this is where Elizabeth just, you know, she's like, you think she's changed? Right. Yeah. What is wrong with you, man? We came here to take care of this and you are just really wussing out on me right now. And Natalie's crying in the next room. You can hear her in there sobbing. They go back in there, and Elizabeth says she's not going to fool them, that they know who she is, and they know what she's done, and they're going to wait for her husband. When they bring up they're going to wait for her husband, she goes into her story that she is this Anna. I thought it was whoever. a fake confession. Did you get that? Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Then she says, just kill me and then go. Leave him alone. He's a good man. And then Elizabeth, I think, starts to doubt that she is who she says she was. She says, tell us what you did. And she basically regurgitates everything that they told her. Right. And they say, where did you do it? 
And she says, on the edge of town, just like ride, you said. Right. And they said, which side of town? She said, I can't remember. And it's too late. Car door closes and right. daddy's home. So her husband comes in, they cost him. She tells them that they're not there for money. And then she goes into her story. She can't even talk. Nope. That's where we know that. And Elizabeth pours her a glass of water, just like she did the old woman in the male robot factory. That was reminiscent, yeah. But this guy, I mean, he's like looking at her and he's like, Natalie, what's going on? He's like in love with his wife, you know, you can tell that. And he's like shocked by all this that's going on. And then she tells him the whole story that the Nazis overran Jnetkova, and they were rounded up and taken to the center of town. The men and boys were shot. She held on to her mother, but then she was shot. And that she was made to dig a hole with a shovel and a pail and then just her hands, and they threw them, her family away like garbage, but they let her live, and she has no idea why. But I think we do know why they would let a young girl live and oh, yeah, do whatever. Oh, yeah, right. She said they gave her food, and she was obedient and helpless. And then she goes into the fact that the first time they gave her a lot to drink, so much that she couldn't, she could barely stand up. And her husband asked her what first time, and she said that she shot Soviet prisoners. And she said it was her body, but it wasn't her. And she said, what could she say? And then she sits there, and she says she wanted to be the person he thought she was. And in the midst of all this, now they've cut away from Philip and Elizabeth in the scene, and they're focusing just on these two people. It's like this confessional. And John says he knows her and that she's a good person, that she's not this terrible person. She's sobbing. She looks at Philip and Elizabeth. She says she's sorry. Philip starts to shoot her, but he can't. Nope. No, he's sitting there with second thoughts, and then you realize... He's not going to do it. And Elizabeth keeps looking at him, looking at them, looking at him incredulously like, come on, man. you got to, you know, you're going to do it or what? And so she just takes her weapon out, shoots the husband first, and then uh, and then shoots Anna. What would y'all think about that? thought she's a pretty damn good shot is what I thought. She's got, like, excellent bullet placement between the eyes on both of them. I mean, that's that's not easy to do, even at that range. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a breaking point for Elizabeth. Like, this is probably too much now for her. It's already too much for Philip. Clearly, he couldn't do it. She's getting to that point pretty quickly. I think the story really had a profound effect on her and on him. Because the story Claudia told, while factually accurate, she did take these young prisoners to the edge of town and shoot them. It was way generalized. Well, the details about it were completely left out. The part that she had no choice in it, essentially she had a gun to her head as it happened. Completely different story. Yeah, but Elizabeth, being the well-disciplined KGB officer, director S officer that she is, got herself charged up and carried out the mission. Yeah, but I think it's like, like, um, like Mike said just a minute ago, or you, I can't remember, but they were dead once they walked in there. Yeah, yeah. These people were dead. They they weren't getting out of there no. after this. That had to happen. But to find out that this woman had been 
brutalized and forced to do these acts against her will. And even so far as humiliated in she was being treated for venereal disease when it was the Nazis' fault. It wasn't her fault. It wasn't through her own accord. Yeah, I don't know, Claudia's, that... Claudia's story was she had so much pleasure by having sex with all these guys that she had venereal disease. She was forced to do this. It's like totally opposite end, 180 degrees of what the real story was. Yeah. I don't know. This really that... made me hate Claudia <laughs> and whoever Claudia's bosses are and whatever charter was given to her to direct them to do this. That's the evil. Yes, but you wonder, that's, that's why I asked earlier, do you think Claudia even knew because I don't know how Claudia would know this story. Claudia this is just what she's told. told yeah, she was told the story that. Unless that Cla- she but told Claudia it. was there, right? Claudia was around before the war. She wasn't at, at Jacoba. Somewhere in the room, though, somebody said, hey, what we got to do is chase these Nazis down and whatever we need to do to catch them. And I think Claudia bought it. I think Claudia is evil. I think she bought into the story. Yeah, yeah, we got to chase down all the Nazi collaborators and get even with them. It's our job now. So, do y'all think Gabriel would have done anything different? Would the specter of death have handled that any differently with them? He would have relayed the same orders that that Claudia did from uh, the think? center. Sure, yeah, they get their orders and and they pass them on. They don't they don't pick and choose which ones they want to pass on, which ones they don't. Then how is he different than Claudia? Is he? Evil we just too? dislike Claudia. We just don't like Claudia. I agree with Mike. I've, I've never. I don't like her. Yeah, but there's got to be more. There's got to be more than that. You can't just go. She's not. not. I just don't no, like her. I like some Russian more. agents better than I like other <laughs> Russian agents. It's just the way it is. I like Elizabeth. Uh, I just don't like. So don't what like are you Claudia. thinking, Mike? I think, think Gabriel might have waffled a little bit, but I think he still has to do what Claudia does. That's his job. But he may have waffled. I don't know how because now he's not there to do it anymore. And we'll never know, but I think Claudia and Gabriel are a little different in that Gabriel is kind of a little bit more human than Claudia seems to be. Yeah, he has that. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, then they're driving back down the road quietly, the shot of like this long deserted road in front of them. It's nighttime. And Elizabeth out of the blue says she wants to get out of here. They should just go. She means it. Let's go home. I'm tired and I want to go. So Falls Church or Kharkov, where do you think she's saying home is? She's talking about uh, Russia, baby. She wants to go to Russia. Does she? Hell yes. That's where she wants to go. What do you think, Michelle? I've got to think that since she said home, she means Russia. I've got to think that. But I don't know why she's saying that right there. You know, I don't know if this is what broke her. Why? What do you think, Mike? I thought Russia, too. But it's interesting that she doesn't say a geographical place. Well, there's a couple things here, too. Elizabeth had told Natalie that she was living a lie. But we know that Elizabeth's living a lie, too. You know, those were the words she said to her when she's in there. She said, you're living a lie. And then, you know, she has to look at her own self. What What are they doing? Absolutely living a lie. And look at where it's, look at what it's costing Natalie to do this. And I think we also have to remember that Elizabeth is remembering thinking about home 
exactly the stuff that Oleg is wrestling with back there. Home is not some perfect nirvana. They've, they've alluded to this all through the seasons about wonder what it's like back there now. I wouldn't even know and stuff like that. And if she is talking about going back to Russia, which we have to assume that she don't just mean I want to go to, you know, get my own shower and go to bed. But they are in Boston, so maybe she did just mean let's go home and whatever, I guess. They could no, she went, she twist went, that around. Let's go home. But going back to Russia is going to be, I mean, what what are they going to? I mean, she. it's clear that she was talking about Russia because they were driving out of there on their way to their American home. And she looked at him and she said, I'm serious. Let's just go. I think we have to parse this though. Cause she's not going to, do you really think she's going to drag Paige and Henry with all Henry's yeah, promise that's a, back to that's Russia? That's what I thought too. That's what I thought too. I, I don't think she's thinking this through. I think she's just a little overcome with, with what they've just done and where they're at. And I think everything's hitting her at once. And she just, she just wants out at that moment right there. But so that tells me that home just might be back to Virginia. Mm, I think I think she meant Russia. I'm I'm also wondering if maybe this isn't. I don't know. I wonder if she's starting to question Philip again. If maybe she wants to see what Philip wants to do, so she can tell on Philip again. Nah, she does. She's not. She's looking at Philip pretty bad. You have to look at these looks she's given him. We haven't seen this in a long time. Elizabeth's been in love with Philip. She's not going back there. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Is that possible? Um, I I was just going to ask you guys, do you think they'll be together at the end of this? Because um, I don't think they will. I don't know. I, I kind of hope that they do. I want a happy ending. Well, hoping I hope that they do, but I don't think that they will. Because <laughs> they shouldn't—they shouldn't be. There are different parts of their journey. He's—he's he's way less committed than she is, unless she really dramatically changes. And I guess they're kind of making it look like she is dramatically changing. But yeah, I think she's getting there. I think—I think in the end she'll. She'll get there. But I'm really conflicted because she does act like she's changing. But at the same time, she is looking at Philip. You guys got to go back and look at these looks. You know, these woman looking at men looks like it's it's disgust. It's not good. Oh, I know that look. (laughs) Hmm. So anyway, I'm just thinking... I don't know. I don't know if they'll end up together. Of course, I hope they end up together. But I don't know if they'll be able to do that. And, I mean, it's just like you said, too. What are they going to do? Henry wants to go to this St. Edwards, and she's going to say, yeah, hop on this plane with us, and we'll take you there. And it goes to Russia. I mean, what what are they going to do? Yeah, she looks at Philip with disdain. Uh, and that's like the worst I've always heard this and never been married, but I've always heard that's the death knell of a relationship that once the other person disrespects and looks at the other with disdain, it's very hard to recover from that. And maybe they're better off not being together. I I want them to end up together because that is the happy ending, but I don't know after this what lies ahead of them. It seems like their paths are headed in different directions. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure. I'm just 
I don't know, because then that brings up all the other questions. Then say Philip wants to stay here and defect or something, and she wants to go back home. And what's that going to do? How is that even possible? What's Paige going to do at that point? And is, is she going to go with Philip or is she going to, I mean, is she going to stay where she is and be a spy? And it, it, it just brings up, it just opens this huge can of worms about how they could even divide that up. Well, one way to resolve it and escape that need to divide it up is if something happens to one of them. So that could happen, too. That could definitely happen. I just, I was really taken aback by the looks. She, and, of course, you know, over the course of the episodes, we've seen it t- a couple of times where she looks at him like, are you crazy? <laughs> but mm-hmm. But this time, it was... She was full of that. And Philip had this look on his face the whole episode like he smelled something that didn't smell very good. And it was just it was just not good. I I really got this kind of sinking feeling about the way she was looking at him. Even though she didn't like it either. I don't know. I thought it was kind of pivotal though. I'm not sure which way it pivoted, but I think it was a pivotal episode. So does anybody have any other insights about episode 10? That was the end of Jeanette Kava. Um, I don't, I think, I think it was good. It's going to be super interesting how they figure out what to do next. Cause it's good that we don't know really. Right. It's like not clear what they're going to do. That's pretty cool about the drama part of it. But there's only two episodes left in this season, which is kind of, yeah, it's Shocking. going to have to wrap up a lot. I, I agree with Mike. I think we're going to have a couple of busy episodes. Well, next week, episode 12 is titled The World Council of Churches. Uh-oh. Pastor Tim. That's what I was thinking. We don't see that, but they give us less and less on the on the teasers. Speaking of bad hair. Wolf is asking, what about Sophia? And Stan says if she's already blown and they're using her, and he kind of trails off. Elizabeth and Philip are talking to Claudia about how maybe it's their time to go home. So we do know that they were talking about going home. And that's it. That's oh, really... I saw another teaser. Okay, tell I me. I saw them talking to Pastor Phil. Phil. Pastor Phil. Pastor Tim. Look at Dr. Phil. <laughs> And they're asking Pastor Tim, what should we do? Can we take, can we, uh, anything they ask Pastor Tim is wrong, but they're asking him, what should they do? Pastor damn Tim, who should be six feet under. Surely it was about like how to cook chicken in the crock pot. What Mm, should we do? Or they're patronizing him. Surely, right? Because they're not going to tell him we're thinking about defecting and taking page. Yeah. Surely we're gonna, they're we're not going to buy an NIV Bible everything. or a King James Bible. Which what should we do? He already knows everything, though, so they have nothing to hide from him. Well, that's that's a good point. I, I don't. I, know. I realize all the time how quickly I've forgotten that he knows everything. That he knows the whole story. You know, right? That he could just get them out of the, he could get them in big trouble in like a, f- a snap of his fingers. Yeah, one phone call, bring the entire 
force the FBI and everybody else down on him. You're right. Well, yeah, I mean, he could just be at home one night, like, in prayer or something and feel like he needs to do this and call the police right then with no kind of warning or anything, some kind of moral conviction that he might have. Yeah, what if he breaks up with his wife and she flies off the handle and says, you know what, Uh, by the way, these neighbors of ours or these people we know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, if he and Alice break up, I really worry about Alice. But there's only two episodes left, so any prediction on how this season's going to end? Well, World Council of Churches makes me wonder about Tim, especially in light of that preview. Yeah, that was a good catch. I didn't see that. I don't know. Maybe he's going to go somewhere and get reassigned somewhere. But I don't I wouldn't be comfortable with him being reassigned anywhere if he's still sucking air. Yeah. No, and this episode showed us that things aren't forgiven just because time's passed. So he's still going to be a loose end and be out there no matter how much time goes by. I don't know. So yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out. Well, we'd like to thank you all for joining us tonight on Tribal Rant and West Coast Project. Give us a chat on Twitter. I'm at Michelle from TN. And I'm at Mike from TN. And I'm at Scathing Tweets. And also you can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tribal Rant and West Coast Project on Facebook. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can subscribe to us there. Please like us and rate us if you like what we're doing. Of course, all this information is on TribalRant.com and WestCoastProject.com where you can email us or leave us a message. And we always love to hear from you. So anything else, guys? Mm, Not for me. Nope. Thanks for sharing. No, yeah. Thanks for being here. Lots of... Dang, this was a deep episode, wasn't it? I feel kind of drained after doing Mm. this. I feel a little sad. but um, Thanks again for doing it with us, Mike. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we'll see you all back here next week for episode 12 of the Americans entitled The World Council of Churches. All right. See you. See you next week. Bye-bye.